If you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We are continuing our series called The King We Need, this study through First and Second Samuel. Um, and it's already been a very fruitful time to, to glean from this Old Testament narrative, and we'll continue on in that. And by way of understanding where we'll go in the next several weeks over this uh, month of December, uh, we're going to look, uh, spend most of our time in First Samuel 3. And so today is just a very brief introduction, and I warn you at that because it might be more brief than you're used to in terms of uh, sermon length, but it really is just uh, towing into the water of this. But we're going to look at an aspect of uh, the king each week, and so this week we'll look at the word, the king's decree, and next week we'll look at the elements of the robe and think about that, and then the the week before uh, Christmas we'll look at the crown and what that is to uh, uh, a king, what it is to look at Jesus in that and what it is to the believer too, to look forward to in, um, in eternity. And so uh, then we'll spend, of course, Christmas Eve gathering together in worship. But that's the kind of background of where we'll go. Um, and we're going to read the first nine verses of 1 Samuel 3 this morning. It's kind of in the middle of this uh, narrative, this, this event that's happening with Samuel and Eli and God calling Samuel. And that's as far as we'll get this morning uh, with some brief uh, points about that. But before I read that, uh, we will recite this as a community of faith that believes the Bible, the authority of God's word, especially today, and what we believe about the Spirit to transform our hearts. So let's say it together. Our pursuit is by the power of the Holy Spirit, to be a biblically functioning community. We'll not shy away from the word. No matter how painful it is to our souls, or countercultural it is to our souls, we will follow the King into eternity. We embrace it as truth. It is ours, it's for us, rather it's God's for us and His authority that we cling to this word. This is what is happening in this story of Samuel's calling in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 3. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose, and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. I will pray for us after you pray for yourself that God would speak to your heart. That is so important when you come to God's word that you would just ask God now to speak by his spirit to you, his word, 
for life, for salvation, for transformation, for all of it. And I'll pray for us collectively. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. God, it is what we need. And it is so that we can know you, so that you are revealed to us. And I pray as Steve prayed that we would know you better each and every moment, that we would cling to your word, that we would know you more today than we did the day before, and that we would know most importantly that the only hope can be found in Jesus Christ, your son who you gave us for salvation, for the payment for our sin, that we would see him very clearly in this text, aimed at him, be eager to do your word and will in our life. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The king's decree is an official, authoritative, decisive decree when the king issues it. When his word goes out, it's going to happen. It's authority. And that's what the king makes, decrees. They make, they make authoritative decisions that are new laws that are put into place, decrees. Now, if you grew up like I grew up, when I, had, uh, when I was a young boy, my dad would say things in the very same way. The king of the house, when he would say things, they were decrees. They were commands that you obey. They were new house rules, whatever they were. That was law. And if you also grew up the way I did when mom and dad said stuff like that, you as a pretty snotty, rebellious little kid probably said something like this to this effect. In our nature, we naturally rebel against these things. And we would say when dad said, do this, you say, why? Why? We always say why, right? We always question authority. We always need a reason. And really, if I go back to my childhood as I'm getting my own kids these days, not as much as, as they did when they're younger, but still they're teenagers, to say why and why do you make me do this? I, I go back to my own childhood and many of those things I really was asking because I really didn't know the reason. I didn't understand. It hadn't been fully revealed. When adults give commands, if you will, to children and, and they want things a certain way, they have reasons for that. My parents certainly had reasons for things they were telling us that we didn't quite comprehend that years later as a parent, I would know that's why he said that. Do that. Don't do that. But the same is true in the Bible, really. As God is speaking his word, something needs to happen in order for him to the recipient to understand that God would reveal his word to somebody so they could understand. And such is the nature that we find Samuel in, in chapter three. He does not yet know the Lord and God is going to reveal himself to him and call him into this very important special ministry that will pave the way for the King David and ultimately towards Jesus Christ. And so we turn to chapter 3, which is a famous chapter in Samuel. And my guess is even as we started this series, most people know two chapters, one specifically in, in Samuel, and that would be chapter 16. That's the most well-known. That's where you'll find the story of David and Goliath. And then if anyone knows another chapter in Samuel, it's usually chapter 3, where God calls Samuel through the whisper, right? This encounter that we just read about. And so it's a very famous chapter in the book. And Samuel does hear the whisper of God and listening for whispers of God and listening like that is good, but that's not really the main focus of the text. And so I want that to be known off the bat. There is something greater happening here, more that we can glean for us in pointing us towards the king we need 
in Jesus Christ. And so let me explain what's happening here. It's a pretty self-explanatory passage, but it's a very interesting one. And it says in verse 1, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. We've looked at that in weeks past as we've learned that Hannah, his mother, was barren and then asked from the Lord for a son and God delivered and she returned Samuel to his service. And so year after year, as we read, she would go back and make him a little robe and visit him. And here he is in the presence of Eli, who is the priest, who we know has had these wicked sons and there's corruption happening in Shiloh. And he's pretty much turned a deaf ear towards it. Here's Eli ministering before the Lord, as we always find Samuel, right? Always serving and obeying. And then it says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Well, you might see that and say, what does that mean? The word of the Lord was rare in those days. What is that talking about? Just as it says, silence. That was the way of God often in the Old Testament. He spoke only to and through prophets to give messages. And in this time period, there was a rarity of that. There was just silence. There was corruption happening in Shiloh. There was darkness and weight in the world. And many of us even now feel that in our world today. When we have the word, when it's been fully revealed to us, there is this silence that we feel. God, what are you doing in the world? Well, it was much more silent then. No frequent visions happening. And we can't even relate to that because those of us who know and trust Christ have the spirit and we feel God's presence with us all the time. But that was not always that way. We have to understand the way God spoke in the Old Testament. Then to that, we look at to Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, and it says this. Long ago, this time that we're looking at right now in Samuel 3, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. You see his kingship there through him, through whom also he created the world. So Hebrews 1 is telling us that this is how God spoke in many times, in many ways, of which he spoke through prophets. And, and when he was not speaking and when he was not giving vision, there was silence. There was waiting. But in these last days, the time that you and I live in, he has spoken fully by his son, Jesus Christ. Fully revealed to us. Which leads me to my first of three brief points. To hear God, the word must be revealed. We'll build on that point as we go. To hear God, the word of God must be revealed. Now, as a side note in this text here, Samuel served and obeyed even when God was silent, which just shows us, shows me as I read through this and studied it, that obedience and service, would we do that? I thought of that in my own life. Would I do that with faithfulness even if God didn't give me clear direction? Even if, if he wasn't speaking at the moment. It's just a side note for our attitude, much like we see Samuel through the story of God's redemptive history. And then all through Samuel, he's just serving, growing, serving, growing. Are we doing that? So the story continues in verse 2. We find Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. He is off on his own. The priest... Now, in contrast to that, you see verse 3. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So the picture here is Eli, the priest. You're thinking two things. Why isn't he 
there in that space. He's the priest, but it's Samuel that's lying in the presence of the Lord, in the watches of the night. If you go back to Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you find that God was very clear in his instruction about the lamp that burned. And you can read about that in those books. You can go back and say, what is this lamp of God? And it had not, you know, God had ordained that, that and instructed that that would burn all through the night until dawn. And so the timeline here is that this is in the middle of the night. Can you imagine the scene in the middle of the night and there's Samuel lying before the ark of God where Eli should have been, but he is there for us. The point, he's where the action is and where it would be, close to where God was. Remember, Samuel does not yet know the Lord, but he is in a position to hear God's voice when it would be revealed, which begs the easy question for us. Are you in a place today where you're hearing God's word? Well, of course I am. I'm sitting here right with you in, in this building for this sermon More than that, are you spending daily time in the word where you're in a position to hear God's voice? Are you in a gathering of other believers in a huddle where you unpack the word and pray together, where the word is is spoken and and, and where you sharpen iron with iron and you, you engage with conversation about that? Are you in the quiet moments of prayer saying, God, what do you have to tell me today about who you are, about what I ought to do? Are you in that position as Samuel was? They're waiting for the action that God would give, walking in the Spirit. And there he is, where Eli should be, Samuel, this young boy, growing in the Lord, waiting, waiting for God. And what continues is this encounter where we see in verses 4 through 8, this this back and forth call that God calls Samuel and the Lord calls Samuel in verse 4 and Samuel's response, here I am. Why does he say, here I am? He thinks it's Eli calling and he runs to him and he says, here I am for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lay down. This is an amazing text where you see this, this encounter. It's like envision it in real time. The young Samuel comes and says, what do you need? I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. Now we have said before that Eli is not very spiritually discerning, right? So Eli knows he didn't call, but Samuel doesn't know where this is coming from yet. Just shows that God is patient. He's patient both with us when we can relate, when we just don't get things. I don't know about you, but I had teachers, especially my math ones, that would do the problem with me, and they'd look and they'd say, you understand? And I would go, don't you get it? Don't you get it? That's what I needed in my life, teachers that would be patient and explain, and I'd still, huh? And eventually, you see this story back and forth twice now. Samuel gets called again, and Eli, this lack of spiritual perception from him, says, that's not me. Go back and lie down again. And then you get to the emphasis in verse 7, right? Samuel, it says there, did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, which was our first point, right? To hear God, the word must be revealed. It says Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Well, what's that all about? That might be like chapter 2 and verse 12 in Hophni and Phinehas and said they did not know the Lord. Very different. We said there in weeks ago that we said Hophni and Phinehas, did, they knew who Yahweh was. They just didn't care. They didn't care about him. Samuel here does not yet know the Lord and that God had not revealed himself to him in calling him. 
Samuel cared very much about serving Yahweh, but he had not yet been revealed to him. You see, in those days, God spoke, right, in many different ways, but he still needed to initiate that. He hadn't called Samuel yet, but the last days, God spoke through his son. His authoritative word was coming. The word made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, which is the second point. God has revealed his word fully in Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to understand what happens when someone encounters Christ from hearing the gospel. And these are very similar stories of what what a God is calling Samuel in the Old Testament. Something's happening by God's Spirit there, same as it is for somebody today when they hear the gospel. Now, you can grow up in the church today in America, and you can grow up sitting and listening and and singing songs, and you can grow up your whole life hearing the Bible and the gospel, and nothing ever happens in your life transformative. You say, how is that even possible? Many of you even have that story because it isn't until the day that God does something in your life by his spirit that opens your eyes to a need for the Savior, that illuminates him, that says something in your soul, something by his initiation, his spirit, opens your eyes and the scales fall off, right? Just like it did for Paul on the Damascus Road. Why? I've heard that story, heard that story, heard that story. Nothing happens until the day God reaches down by his grace and plucks you and gives you a spirit, opens your eyes to a need, and that's conversion. That's what it is to be born again. That's when the spirit of God reaches down and calls you just like he did for Samuel and makes you realize the nature and gravity of your sin and what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, and then it's personal, right? Our scripture reading from John 1 helps us with that. And in John 1, you see this very similar, I guess, illustration of John and comparison, rather, of John and Samuel when it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, much like Samuel was for the king. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. But he was not the light. He came to bear witness. The true light, which was giving light to everyone, was coming to the world. He was in the world and yet the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. All of creation, we have reason to believe there's a God, and yet not all people. The light bulb doesn't go on for everybody, right? And then it says this in verse 14, which Steve read, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of all the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word has been fully revealed in Jesus Christ because the word was made flesh. Now, what does that mean? It means that God's word, the king's decree, the same authoritative word that God is issuing to Samuel and calling him in Samuel 3, the same one that he is going to judge Eli's household with, that same word comes to earth in fully human form. The full authority given to the son by the father And so we think of the words of Jesus in the Gospels, and we have to think of them. They were not just words that he spoke given to us by a prophet, although Jesus was a prophet. They are not just words given to us, spoken by a priest, although Jesus was a priest on our behalf. They were actually words spoken by a king. The same authoritative word and decree that God has issued, his law. Jesus comes, the word made flesh to the earth, and gives the same call to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe. 
the king's decree, audibly present for everyone who lived at the time and then for generations like us to testify about who he is. That's what happened there. That's why Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him what? Hear. If today you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Samuel hears the third time this voice, and Eli finally figures it out. He's slow on the draw, isn't he? Eli finally figures it out that it must be God. And I just, we don't have time to unpack this, but every time I even read and speak this narrative, can you imagine what Eli must have felt? I hope that none of us ever feel that, knowing that he had displeased the Lord, knowing that his sons were wicked, wicked men, knowing that he was not spiritually where he ought to have been, the, the anxiety of the moment to know that the torch was being passed from him now to Samuel. And he finally perceives this is God and has to know that judgment is coming for his house. And he perceives it, it says there in verse 8, right? He perceived that it was the Lord calling the boy. God is patient, but the, the blind man finally got it. And so he instructs Samuel in verse 9, here's what you do. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. This is how you and I ought to approach the scriptures always. Point three, for you and I can joyfully hear, receive, and obey the word of God. Here's Samuel not knowing the Lord fully, trusting in Eli's spiritual perception, and he finally perceives that this must be God, and he says, here's what you do. When God calls, you say, here I am. Speak, for your servant is listening. That's how you and I ought to approach the scriptures all the time, because Jesus Christ has fully been revealed. The word has been made flesh. We can know God fully because of Jesus Christ, and the question really for us is not whether we can be saved from sin and know God in, in a relationship for eternity. Jesus is the clear answer for that. The question is whether we respond and delight in God's word with great joy, with not a why, why? Why do we have to do that? Why does it say that? Why does it say it this way? But no, with great delight that that's the king's voice and that we ought to delight in it. I love the language of Psalm 119, and I'm just going to read bits of it. It's the longest, uh, one of the longest chapters in the Bible. So many words in here about the word of God, but verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 18, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. 25 through 28, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Anyone feel that today? I do. Strengthen me according to your word. On and on do you delight in the word of the Lord. Do you, like Samuel, say when he calls us through this book and teaches us, do we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening? Do you listen with great intent to the king for life and salvation? The word can be enjoyed. 
But something needs to happen by God's Spirit first, right? God needs to reach down and open our eyes to the gospel by his Spirit. Illuminate that to us. And then you and I need to be in the right position, right? Samuel was lying down in the presence of the ark of God because that was where the action was. Samuel had no knowledge. You have to read this with an understanding. Samuel's serving and growing and obeying, and he's laying there waiting, waiting, waiting. This is where God would be. This is where God meets with his people. Is that our attitude? And then when it comes, right, you need to listen and obey, acknowledging that all of it points towards Jesus Christ, our King. Friends, we can know God because of Jesus. We can hear God because of Jesus. And we can live freely with God forever because of Jesus. To hear God, the word must be revealed. God has revealed his word fully in Jesus Christ. And you and I can joyfully hear, receive, and obey the word of God. That's where we stop in this text today as we turn our attention now towards this table, the Lord's Supper, that God's design had always been Man fell and his design had always been to redeem his people. And he spoke through prophets and priests and ultimately revealing, revealing his son, Jesus Christ, that would be the Messiah, the perfect prophet, priest, and king, the true one that would save. Jesus Christ, both Savior and King, to come and to live a perfect life on this earth. That's why we celebrate this meal and go on our behalf to the cross to die a sinner's death for us That's why we celebrate this meal. And then rising victoriously over sin and telling his disciples, I will come again. That's why we celebrate this meal. Because we look back and remember what Jesus did as we look ahead to what he will do one day. That's why we celebrate this meal. And so I want to pray for us and invite the servers up as we do that now together in worship. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you in awe of your word. And Father, this is a season that we read passages like John 1 and Luke 2 with great wonder that the longing, just like the song we sang about, O come, O come, Emmanuel, the longing that people had for a redeemer finally came in the person of Jesus Christ. And Father, we today, in full knowledge of that and revelation of that, full awareness of that, being able to live in the Spirit and and feel your presence known, we have the same kind of longing in our world right now for when Jesus will come back. And so, Father, give us an attitude of praise for you, and I pray that if one doesn't know you, that you would open their ears and eyes to the gospel today. And then when they would hear you call, that they would say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Thank you for the word. Thank you for this time that we'll share together in worship. And we praise you and pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.